What up, world? Pass first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. The Blazers got blown out in game four. We got to talk about it. I don't want to spend too much time recapping it. It was a nightmare for your Portland Trailblazers, and it was a nightmare in a familiar way. The biggest headline, though, was that Damian Lillard got injured. A knee injury to his right knee with 7 minutes and 17 seconds remaining in the third period. I tried to wait out this evening so we could maybe get an update from either the team or one of the NBA newsbreakers. You know who they are. There's only four or five of them. But the team hasn't released much information, almost none. Just confirmed he's getting an MRI on his right knee. And the newsbreakers so far are silent as I record this shortly after 10 p.m. on Monday evening. So there's a chance that the third segment will feature real-life breaking news. If not, look for an update tomorrow in this same space where you got this same podcast. But we do things here in three parts. So we're going to start with a brief recap of the game, a brief my brief thoughts on the game. In the second segment, we're going to leave the court, leave the bubble, leave the state of Florida... And land in L.A. where Trevor Ariza spoke with ESPN at length about what it's like to watch his team play when he is not playing. And as of right now, the plan is to close out the show by answering the question, what's the point of playing more games? What's the point of game five? That's what we'll close the show with. Unless, of course, we get some news on Old Dame and then all of this could change quickly, this is live radio coming to you recorded a little bit later. Let's start with game four, though. It was over in five minutes. The last 43 minutes, maybe if we're being more generous, the last 40 minutes were a formality. The Lakers scored the first 15 points of the game. The Blazers took more than four minutes to make a basket. And it was over. They were down 15 zip and 30 to 10. The Blazers gave up 43 points in the first quarter, 80 points in the first half. LeBron James made 10 of his first 11 shots. The Blazers' offense sucked. Their defense sucked. If they'd had special teams, I'm sure those would have found a way to suck too. This was a bad night for the pinwheels. But it wasn't this sort of bad, damning, franchise-altering night that I've seen um, a couple local sports writers write about and Twitter certainly explode about. Um, That's not how I see this. I think the Blazers were exposed for being significantly worse than the best team in the West. If you were under the impression that this team was going to be competitive with the Lakers, which I kind of thought they might be. I kind of thought this would be um, a fun but short series. For longtime listeners, my friend Chuck sent me a text probably midway through the seeding games, and he said, you know, he's, he said, I'm excited to, to watch the Blazers play the Lakers, man. I'm hyped right now. I'm, I'm, I'm really, I can't wait. It's going to be a fun five-game series. Uh, And he is not one of those people that is the Blazers are going to win the championship types. He was more saying that he thought the Blazers could be competitive and get rolled in five games by the Lakers. 
And I thought we were going to see that too. And after game one, I really thought, hey, maybe these guys are going to make this competitive. I even recorded a whole podcast segment about why I was optimistic that the Blazers could repeat some of their success from game one, even if it didn't translate to more obvious wins, or even if it it didn't translate perfectly to wins every single night. That hasn't been the case. And I think game four was just a reminder of what the Lakers can be. I don't I don't see it as a full-on condemnation of of the Blazers, of this team. The Blazers' most basic issue is that they do not have players to guard LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I would argue that almost no team in the league fits that description. Now, the Blazers' other issue is they can't get loose against the Lakers' defense. But for right now, as we stand here right now, the Lakers are the best defensive team in the NBA. I am not excusing the Blazers, who have been bad, have not improved, and have gotten beat by the same things over and over again. I am not excusing exactly that their personnel is the only reason for their losses. I think the coaching certainly has something to do with it. I think they haven't, at least since Game 1, had all three of their best three players, Dame, CJ, and Nurk, all play well at the same time. You need that consistency from your top guys in the playoffs. It's been a little, you know, a little bit of Dame here. Nurk was finally good again tonight in Game Four. CJ had a really, really nice half and first half in Game Three, but wasn't as good in the second half. And then when they need him down the stretch, you know, it's it's everyone deserves a little bit of blame. The coaching staff, the the person who built the roster, and the dudes on the roster themselves. But I don't see this as a condemnation of the franchise as a whole. They. If you're going to be mean, if you're going to condemn them, condemn them for what they did from October to March. Not for what they did in August. This team was maybe poorly conceived, put themselves in a position to make some noise, and then met the best team in the West and got walloped. They got walloped on all fronts tonight. It didn't look good. It wasn't enjoyable. The game was over early. Just like that. If you were making dinner or putting the kids to bed and couldn't get in front of your TV until 6.30, maybe 7 o'clock by the time you settled in with your adult beverage, the game was over. It was already a blowout by the time you were sitting down. So I don't feel the need to dive much deeper into this one. The Blazers' problems were the same ones we saw in game the end of Game 3. The Lakers ratcheted up the defense. Contavious Caldwell-Pope gave Dame fits. Danny Green was uh, pretty effective against C.J. McCollum, and their length inside is a real, real problem. And on offense, the Blazers don't have anyone who can guard LeBron James. Carmelo Anthony just, just he can't, he cannot slow down the best player in the world. He probably never could, and he certainly can't now. Gary Trent Jr. tries his ass off, but he's not strong enough to deal with LeBron James. And Wenyon Gabriel hasn't been given the opportunity, but I'm willing to wager he couldn't really do it either. The other options in the Blazers roster don't exist. Anthony Davis has given the Blazers and Terry Stotts' teams fits in the two playoff series they've played against him. They don't have a plan for him. They don't have personnel for him. And on offense, the, the tweaks that the Blazers made Starting two centers was a, was awful to begin this game. Their offense was totally clogged up, and it led to that 15-0 run because they just couldn't get enough space on offense. The Lakers knew exactly how to deal with it. 
by the time they put Gary Trent Jr. into the starting lineup in the second half in replace of Whiteside and went with Dame, CJ, Gary, Mello, and Nurk, the series was over. It was over. It was too little too late. So certainly there's some blame to go around, but I am not in burn-it-down mode yet. Perhaps we'll get there when we talk more about this in the third segment. But we're going to switch gears because there's no reason to bang the drum about how bad this was. If you were listening to this podcast after Game 4, you are someone who enjoys the Blazers. Or maybe you're just my dad. Thanks for listening, Dad. But for those of you who aren't my dad, you don't need a reminder of how bad the game was. You know. I'm not going to beat you over the head with it. Let's move on. Let's talk about happy stuff. We get a nice story about Trevor Ariza in the second segment. Let's talk about that. But before we get there, I want to tell you all about CBDMD. It doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair. All of us need support to make it through the day. And luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. First, there's CBD Freeze with Menthol. It's an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient, easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. And then, CBD Recover, which combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need when it matters most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBDMD has to offer, they're giving you... 25% off your next order when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. One more time, that's cbdmd.com, and you can use that promo code NBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. All right. Thanks to Dre Slaps for the new music. Go check him out wherever you get your music or at dreslaps.com. That's just a free plug for your boy Slaps. Thanks for the music, man. Okay, so we talked about game one. I'm not ready to I'm not ready to freak out. I'm ready to point I'm ready to blame plenty of people, but I'm not ready to freak out. This this your expectations were too high if you were thinking about this team um hosting a parade. They this was a reality check, and if you thought this was sort of a, a cold blast of reality i quite frankly i think you're overreacting but let's move on let's leave orlando let's head to southern california trevor ariza watched game four from what appeared to be the comfort of his own home based on the photographs via a video messaging program video conferencing program with espn's jackie mcmullen and Jackie wrote a nice story on ESPN that you can find by visiting their website. I'm sure you know how to do that. About Ariza's experience. You will recall that he chose to not be, not go to the bubble, not go to Orlando, because he was given an opportunity basically to spend a month with his 12-year-old son, Taj. Uh... According to the story, Ariza hadn't seen Taj for a little more than a year because of his schedule and the way that um, the custody situation with Taj's mother was going. So this was basically for the first time in a year, a chance for Ariza to see his son. And I said on this podcast many times that there was no way you could criticize what Ariza chose to do without being a big dumb dummy. And according to Ariza... The Blazers 
both organization and players absolutely supported him. He said that Damian Lillard reached out immediately and, and repeatedly and said, you are doing the right thing. We support the choice you're making. This wasn't him pleading, pleading with Ariza to, to reconsider or see if he could change the timeline or do a blah, 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 blah. This was Dame saying, you're doing the right thing and we support you. In addition, Ariza says he has stayed in close contact with the Blazers, particularly CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard, who have kind of kept him abreast of the inside jokes going on in, in Orlando and at Disney World and all the, all the fun stuff they were enjoying. Uh, in the story, Ariza, who was good friends with Kobe, won a championship with the Los Angeles Lakers. He's, you know, he's wearing a Kobe jersey watching... Um, watching the Monday evening game four. Uh, but um, uh, Jackie McMullen points out that he's, that Ariza is like going nuts, like yelling about a Nurk dunk, like that's the way he needs to play and screaming and getting hyped up. And like, you know, being a, being like you, a Blazer fan. Thought that's a pretty nice little scene. And he talks about how the Blazers organization supported him, the Blazers team, the Blazers teammates supported him. But he also talks about how he has been a help. And I, I thought this was a really interesting thing. He has been in communication with Wenyan Gabriel, who at the beginning of this series was assigned the task of trying to guard Anthony Davis. The Blazers have totally scrapped that. Um, I don't think Wenyan Gabriel did a particularly good job, but I also think like totally scrapping his minutes to go smaller and play Anthony Simons is not exactly the best solution. I'm not sure what the Blazers do there. I think both of those players are bad options, but Wenyan Gabriel is a taller bad option. So maybe he's who I'd rather see. Um, but I, I don't think he's he's a you know world beater or anything like that. And clearly Terry Stotts had seen enough of that experiment. But in any case, Wenyan Gabriel and, and Trevor Ariza have spoken via text message. Ariza has kind of pumped him up and given him a few pointers and said all these things, you know, that, that here's how, here's little stuff that, you know, you might not see, or here's some, here's some defensive tips now that you're, you know, be going, going against the best players in the world. That that's a really nice little scene from Ariza who wasn't around the team particularly long. Obviously him and Wenyan Gabriel were teammates on the Sacramento Kings, so they've known each other a little longer than Ariza's known as other teammates. But still, I thought that's a, that's a nice little, nice little detail from McMullen. And then Ariza confirmed the thing that all of you have asked me several times. Many, many of you, not all of you, not all of you is an exaggeration, but many, many listeners have asked, like, can Ariza come? Is there a way Ariza can come? And the answer was no. It's, it was against the rules. Once you weren't on the official roster on the end, you were on the opt-out list. You couldn't come. Technically, uh, Jalen Adams replaced Trevor Ariza, so he'd already been technically replaced. So even before the the official rosters were released, I think it would have been there would have needed to be some wheeling and dealing about how how it all worked. I think Adams would have had to technically replace Swan again, and blah blah blah. But Ariza wasn't going to come anyway, so the Blazers moved on without him, and they moved on while supporting him. But Ariza says in the story that he, once the visitation with Taj was over, they spent a month together. Taj went back to North Carolina where his mother lives. Um, you know, they spent a lot of time together. I, I thought Ariza had a nice bit in that story just about kind of like he, the difficulty in going between two homes. If, you're, if your parents are separated and how you just, you live with two different sets of rules and two different, um, just two different lifestyles, two different ways of life, I think is probably a better way to say that. And that, so he just spent a lot of time just listening to his 12-year-old son. 
because and not like going out and doing all these things obviously the pandemic makes it a little harder but you know not trying to give them all these experiences mostly just kind of like figuring out what what listening to him i thought that was a nice little scene but after that was over after Ariza had spent this time with his son and 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 taj has had gone back to north carolina to to live with his mother again uh Ariza basically called the blazers and said yo is there any way i can come now is there any way i can i can come to the bubble I w- i'd love to get into orlando and they you know, said officially, no, it's against league rules. He he got the word. So I even think at the time, maybe Ariza wasn't totally sure of how it all worked. I think that's pretty believable in my experience around NBA guys. They kind of just operate at their own speed and aren't totally aware of the rules and let people around them kind of explain to them as they go. People, typically speaking, NBA fans who love the league are more in fan, are more aware of the the rules and the happenings of the league at large and the machinations of the league and it's all of its parts play you know guys just don't know they just do their thing they show up and do their thing it's funny uh, a lot of times in the locker room uh, you will inform you'll say hey you know cj mccollum has been dealing with a sprained ankle have you noticed anything like that and whoever you're talking to say it's yusuf nurkic or whatever will be like oh for real i have no idea or you know like his ankle? Yeah, I think I think I knew that. But it's like, you know, whereas fans are like super tied in. And I think Trevor Ariza is operating under this, um, the way NBA guys do to be like, I'm going to opt out and then maybe I'll opt in when I'm ready. Obviously, this the this restart plan is unprecedented. So him not knowing the rules also kind of makes sense. So here's Trevor Ariza watching game four. Not how obviously he wanted it to go. And certainly probably not how ESPN wanted it to go to him watch a blowout. Kind of got boring there after the first quarter. But I think the story's worth reading and the, and the, the just in general, um, some nice heartwarming change of pace news is that Trevor Ariza found some peace being a dad. And I think he found some peace while he admits it's extremely hard to watch these games, that he's watched every seeding game, he stayed connected with his teammates. You know, he's kind of trying to stay in, in the, in, you know, NBA player mode, knowing that he's played 15 years in the league and that you don't get a lot of these opportunities. And in fact, if he had still been a Sacramento King, he would, it would have been over for him. They wouldn't have sniffed the playoffs. So I recommend reading the story to get uh, a little closer to the human of Trevor Reza and to get away from how brutal the Blazers have been on the basketball court. It hasn't been very fun. And the Trevor Reza story offers some fun. It's nice to have a little bit of escape and to read about someone who's just being a good dad. All right, in the third segment, let's come back and close out the show by answering this question. Is there any reason to play Game 5? Before we do that, I want to tell you all about rockauto.com. rockauto.com is a family business that's been serving auto part customers online for 20 years. And you can go to rockauto.com right now to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They got everything you need from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whatever whatever you're looking for, they got it. And they've got it in an easy to use and uniquely easy to navigate online catalog. You can quickly see all their parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. And best of all, rockauto.com always has reliably low prices that are the same for the professionals as they are for the do-it-yourselfers. 
Why would you pay twice as much for the same parts? Don't do that. Instead, go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. And while you're there, make sure you write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listening to Locked On Blazers. Talked about the Blazers' believable struggles in Game 4. and Whether I viewed this as a watershed moment that some were calling it. Not for me. Nope. Not yet. We talked about Trevor Ariza. A guy who chose to be a dad over a teammate. And the challenges that offers him both as a father and as a teammate. Encourage you to check that story out on ESPN. But now I want to answer the simple question. Is there any reason to play game five? I know that I'm telling you that this isn't this major burn it down moments. This isn't this major juncture for the Blazers for me. But I also don't think there's any point in playing game five. The answer to that question for me is no. It's over. The Lakers are way better. Portland is very likely to get stomped out in demoralizing fashion again in game five, whether Damian Lillard is available or not. What I'm not going to do in this space is speculate even a small amount about his injury. We'll find out when we find out, and then we'll talk about it. Even once I hear what the injury is, I still won't be a doctor, so why pretend like I am one when I don't know what the injury is just yet? In any case, Game 5, to me, is pointless. Because there is no amount, even if it's close, there is no amount of fight that can stop the people who already think it's time to fire Terry Stotts, trade CJ McCollum, and burn it down. There's no amount of fight you can show in a game in game five that makes a difference. Does pushing it to game six ta- save Terry Stotts' job in everyone's mind? I can't imagine that that's the case. Why would that, why would it work that way? And I'm also not calling on the Blazers to quit. I'm not saying... Don't play Dame regardless, hold back CJ, run out Jalen Horde and Jalen Adams, let's see, 45 minutes of Wenyan Gabriel. That's not what I'm saying either. The game's going to get played on Wednesday evening. Roll out the dudes that are healthy, try to win. But we already know, we've developed all of all of the data and all of the knowledge we're going to gain about where this team is at, we learned on Monday night. When the Lakers turned it up to a gear early in this game, and they were they out they, I I don't want to reduce it all to hustle or 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 effort because I think that's uh, too much of a simplification of how NBA basketball works, but the Lakers turned it up to an intensity gear that the the Blazers were either unable or unwilling to match, and I think it's mostly unable. I think the Lakers tapped into an intensity level and just an ability level in terms of being locked in defensively and having the type of two skill players they do offensively that the Blazers, they just can't reach that level. You see Dame reach it sometimes, but he doesn't have a lot of dudes who can get up there with him, and it's a hard thing to sustain against other really quality opponents and other, you know, people who are tapped into the that same kind of vibe, for lack of a better word. So no, I don't think there's any point in playing Game 5. Because I think we already know how this series ends. It's going to end in a way that Terry Stotts hates. 
so I've written about the team in various capacities for six seasons. Uh, I spent four of them as a traveling beat writer with the Oregonian. Uh, I'd be on the road with him and, and in the locker room every night. I spent the last two covering home games for NBC Sports Northwest. Uh, I've never I've covered the playoffs every single year. I've been on on the beat, and I've seen a couple of these series end this way. Once against the Spurs where I really recall this memory from, and another against the Warriors. Uh, I wrote after one of the Spurs series that the, the Blazers got a gentleman's sweep. And Terry Stotts, I think it pulled me aside. He might have texted me about it first and then pulled me aside, but his ex-interviews, and he's kind of just like, don't, I, I hate gentleman's sweep. Like Kind of like, don't use that phrase. It's so insulting. And then I used it again, like kind of intentionally a year later or two years later. And he texts me the same kind of like, come on, Mike, don't be an asshole. And of course, being the type of person that I am now that I know that he's sensitive about it, I can't resist using it in things I write. So on Wednesday, I'll probably use that phrase. Because indeed, when you beat a team in five games, particularly after giving up game one and then rolling over them four straight times, that is a gentleman's sweep. Terry Stotts has right to dislike the words he dislikes and maybe it's rude of me to rub his face in it and share it with you dear listeners but it's a nice little peek behind the curtain so i'll give it to you i don't think there's any point in playing game five because i don't think we can learn anything else i think we already know the truth about this team they are further away from a championship than they were a year ago at this time that's not nothing that happens in game game five will change my opinion on that They've gotten worse over over a year. They're not as good as they were. I guess at this time that they had the same roster last year, but at, at, you know what I'm talking about. When the playoffs ended last year, they had a better roster than, than when the playoffs are going to end this year. Even fully healthy. I still believe that. They have real issues. We'll talk about those issues, dissect them, obsess over them during the offseason. That's coming in a week, y'all. Next week we'll be in the offseason. We'll talk about it. For now, I just don't think there's much point in playing a fifth game. The Blazers are going to do it because they should. It's the noble and right thing to do. Like, I, they can't leave Orlando or whatever, but they're going to play it straight up because they're competitive. The same reason that Terry Stotts has left his dudes in through three quarters of two blowouts in this series. He wants to give respect them and give them a chance to play the games until they don't mean anything. Well, at some point, game five won't mean anything. I think the Lakers will win that one. And we can obsess over what's next at that point. But we're not there yet. We're probably one game away. A gentleman's sweep, regardless of the availability of a certain point guard, seems inevitable. That's where we're headed. So we'll have a show Wednesday after Game 5. But in between there, I want to squeeze in a mailbag episode. I think it makes most sense to do it in between these two games. So if you are listening to this on Tuesday... Right now, tweet at me, at Mike G. Rich, or email me, LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com, and get in your mailbag questions. I'm also going to send out a tweet, so it'll function like normal mailbags, but if you're listening to this on Tuesday, August 25th, tweet at me, or email me. Let's, let's get a mailbag going. I think it makes the best sense this week to do it then. Game five's Wednesday. The offseason is near. If it doesn't happen Wednesday, it'll probably happen Friday. That's where we're headed. And there we go, just as we're wrapping up, the Blazers have announced that Damian Lillard, the MRI on his right knee was inconclusive. 
and he will undergo a second MRI on Tuesday in Orlando. So we will talk about that one in the mailbag episode. Perfect timing from the Blazers. Do me a favor. Help me grow the show. It's been growing these last couple weeks. We've gotten a lot of new listeners. If you're a new listener, do me a favor. Tell a friend about this podcast. If you enjoy the Blazers and enjoy listening to podcasts, maybe they will too. Tell them to search Lockdown Blazers wherever they already get podcasts. We'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.